0: We are studying the Jacob narrative, right? We're in the story of Yaakov, our forefather, who has two wives at this point. Because a lot happens in a week in Genesis. So from last week to this week, a lot happens. Um, and we're not going to hear about all that Because we're starting at the end of the Parsha So a lot happened he, had, he married two wives Next year we'll talk about how that happened um, But not this year He has two wives, two sisters, Rachel and Leah Rachel is the beloved, beautiful My Hebrew name is Rachel. The gorgeous, talented, smart, and lovely Rachel. (laughs) And then there's Leah, who is not the beloved wife, but is the elder sister, and Yaakov is tricked into marrying her. Um, And so he has these two wives. They seem to have a certain kind of rivalry um, that manifests infertility. Remember, women's status in the ancient world is directly tied to having... Babies? What specific kind of babies? Male, male babies. <laughs> male babies give women status in the ancient world. <laughs>
1: well,
2: more reason, like and more recent.
0: right? Royalty? Yeah, not just ancient. No, absolutely. So um, male? China? Heirs, right, are the way that women build up their, um, their status in the ancient Near East, which is these texts are said in that, in that period, but if, certainly it's all over the world still. Um, and so Leah, the, the not-loved wife, is extraordinarily fertile. And Rachel, the beloved wife, is not. She is infertile. Well, this is very much our tradition of the matriarchs, right? Is that if you're a matriarch, our stories seem to be something about you are challenged in the very way that most women are successful. Think of Sarah, think of Rebecca, Rivka, right? We talked about her. And now Rachel um, is challenged in terms of her fertility. She has one son. Who's that son? Who's Rachel's son? One son at this point? Who's Rachel's oldest son? Ah, Biblical trivia. Stumped him. Joseph. Now you understand a little more about why Yosef is the favorite son of Yaakov. Yes? This is Rachel's only son. Rachel eventually will get pregnant again. It's all she wants in the whole wide world is to get pregnant again. She will get pregnant again and what will happen? She dies in childbirth. So she's only ever mother to Yosef.
3: So Leah is the mother of the, of the rest of them. Brothers who tried to
0: do. Well, not the rest of them. There's four people who are bearing children to Yaakov yeah. Rachel, Leah, Bilhah, and Zilpah, his concubines.
3: So they were really stepbrothers to Joseph? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Half
0: brothers. Yeah. Correct. Okay so lots going on here I'm not going to talk any more about that or we won't be able to talk about the really juicy part that we're at so, so um, next, year. S- yeah, next year so um, so Lavan remember we had the incident with Rivka, Rebecca and Lavan right we, we met Lavan when we s- meet Rivka and Lavan is this, this very good businessman um, if I'm going to just stay neutral about Lavan he's a good businessman and he puts Yaakov through the ringer right he tricks Yaakov into marrying Leah then he asked who he worked seven years for. He has to work another seven years to pay the bride price for Rachel. So he works fourteen years to acquire his wives and their and their uh, female servants who become his concubines, their handmaids, and um, but he but Yaakov, as we've seen, is pretty crafty himself, and Yaakov figures out a breeding plan that has him. Outstrip Lavon in terms of his own portion of the family flock. He asks for the speckled and spotted and striped, which are a minority. They are um, genetically um, not flawed. What's when you're not dominant, you are recessive? Recessive. They are a recessive gene, so they don't happen as often. So Lavon agrees, right? Okay, you can take the spotted and speckled and striped ones. Yaakov's very clever. Maybe next year. We'll talk two years from now. We'll talk about how he does that. But Yaakov is very successful with his breeding program. And he now has a huge flock over time. And so he's become wealthy himself. And he has a lot of children. A flock of sheep? Goats, sheep, all that stuff. They are semi-nomadic pastoralists. So he now has had his wife, Rachel, bear Yosef. She's not bearing anymore. He's now wealthy. He's decided it's time to part from his father-in-law, Lavan. He's had it. He's kind of done with Lavan. Um, And it seems that Lavan, now it seems something's changed. We're going to look at the text. It doesn't tell us exactly what in the text. It seems the family relationship has changed. And Lavan is not treating Yaakov the way he had been. And it seems to be something in relationship to Lavan's sons. Possibly he didn't have any sons when Yaakov married, I mean, when Yaakov shows up and marries into the family. Possibly Yaakov was seen as the heir until Lavan had natural sons. And I'll tell you why we think that might be true. Let's look at our text. Yaakov waits for his, he, Yaakov talks to his wives, Rachel and Leah and said it's time for me to go and return to my native land this is what god has told me i need to go back home <clears throat> interesting he consults his wives he has every right to take them and go tell them what to do and say we're leaving he doesn't he consults his wives at verse 30 at chapter 31 verse 14 What do Rachel and Leah answer him? Read somebody, please, at 3114. Rachel and Leah made this response to him. Have we any longer a portion of poor inheritance in our father's house? Are we not like foreigners to him? He
1: sold us, and he has completely eaten up our money. Since all the wealth that God has taken away from our father is ours and our children's, so now, do just what God has commanded
0: you. Okay, so Rachel and Leah answer him, saying, Have we still a share in the inheritance of our father's house? What the heck does that mean? What page is it? 171. 171. So what's going on?
3: Maybe there's
0: now male men to inherit. Them? So who that the what?
3: Their sons now to inherit.
0: Their sons oh. were supposed to inherit, maybe, right. but maybe they too notice that something has changed, mm-hmm. yeah. and they feel like they are not inheriting with the way that they should be. That meaning their sons, because maybe Laban now has a son that he's made it clear is going to be the heir apparent. We don't know, but they go on. Surely he regards us as outsiders. Now that he has sold us, how did he sell them? Marrying them. Marrying them. You sold us to Yaakov for seven years of service. But wait a minute, every bride gets a bride price. So how so what is their problem? You always pay a bride price for the bride. So everybody they could always have expected to have been sold. What is their problem? So
1: they have well, was, was there no bride? There was nothing given to him except for the
0: wife. There was 14 years of labor. Right.
1: But, but, so, I mean, that's, what, that's not what, what, what Jacob receives.
0: That's what he gives. Dowry is what the groom receives. Bride price is what the groom gives in, in order to get the bride. So, wh- what are they complaining about? They always would have been sold. There always would have been a bride price. Let's look at the text. What does the next piece say? He has sold us, and I wouldn't translate this as as and because he has used up our purchase price.
3: Well, he was supposed to only spend seven years initially, and it, he got tricked into the fourteen.
0: That's not the, That's not their beef. Their beef is when you and you wouldn't know this because you don't know ancient Akkadian and Sumerian marital rights and laws. Yeah. But you're, you don't, right? I didn't mean to insult you. Maybe you do. Um, but the bride price was settled on the bride. It was held by the bride's father for her. So if something should happen divorce, she gets left, he gets killed, the groom the bride has something to support her. So their beef is not, they got sold. They wouldn't have been sold. The money would have been given in trust for them. They're angry because he gave 14 years of labor, but Lavan is keeping the fruit of that labor in the flocks and in all the work that Yaakov has done and clearly is not giving what they feel is fair to Yaakov, right, or to them in exchange. That he's used it up, he's keeping it, that means he's keeping their their 14 years of product.
3: And if Levon would die or Jacob would die, it wouldn't revert to the two sisters?
0: That seems to be what they are claiming, is that it should be kept in case something happens to Yaakov. They will have their own inheritance and or their sons or whatever. And it seems something's changed in the family and they feel Levon is not going to give them what what they would if deserve. Died,
3: you mean.
0: Exactly. Truly all the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Meaning the ways that Yaakov has tricked, you know, has has multiplied his own flocks at Lavan's expense. Now then do just as God has told you. We deserve all these animals that you've managed to breed, Yaakov, our clever husband, and we we're, we don't have we don't have any feelings of loyalty or that we owe love on anything we are taking what's ours and we're going with you this is just like rifka right just like rifka okay we'll go they know they're never coming back you you don't you don't pick up and just leave like that right we're taking there's no negotiation with lavan they're like let's take what's ours and let's go all right 17 It is juicy. Oh, just wait.
4: Thereupon Jacob put his children and wives on camels, and he drove off all his livestock and all the wealth that he had amassed, the livestock and his possession that he had acquired in Padaharam, to go to his father Yitzhak in the land of Canaan. Go on. Meanwhile, Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household items. Yaakov kept Laban the Aramean in the dark, not telling him that he was fleeing. And fled with all that he had. Soon he was across the Euphrates and heading toward the hill country of Gilead.
0: Dun, 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 dun. So So Yaakov packs everybody up, puts them on camels, right? That, that's how you're going to travel. And he's got a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of stuff. He's wealthy. He's very wealthy now, and he's got a huge family, right? He's got 11 sons and a daughter, Dina. He's 12 children, four wives, you know, two wives and two semi-wives, you know, and so that, that's, a, that's a huge, and servants and, you know, sheep and goats and stuff and tents, and it's a huge caravan that's leaving. How, how, how are they to sneak away? <laughs> how does the caravan like that sneak they, off? They how they did it was things that we tend to read right over because we're not living in ancient Mesopotamia. How they did it was, of course, Lavan had gone to shear the sheep. What does this mean? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men were required for sheep shearing. You went to a certain place to do it and you were gone for five days, ten days at a time. This is where, by the way, Tamar, remember, seduces Judah. is when Judah is at the sheep shearing event. Right? So, a bunch of men... Off together, doing what they do when they're done shearing at night, right? So they're just gone. The whole male population, able bodied male population is gone. That's what Yaakov waits for and then takes off.
3: What does it mean
0: that Rachel stole her father Aha ha ha! So here we go. So Lavon had gone to shear the sheep. Everyone's getting ready to flee. They are not getting permission, they are running, right? taking what they think is fair, but they know that Lavan might not think it's so fair. They're getting ready to run, and what does Rachel do? Rachel steals what in Hebrew is called traphim. She steals the trafim of her father. The text makes it very clear they do not belong to her. The text makes it clear they belong to Lavan, her father. We're going to talk about it. Trust me. So she steals them. We're not told anything about why. Okay? So they are psalim. They are idols. They belong to her father. There is vast amounts of commentary, as you can imagine, written on why in the world would Rachel Imenu, (laughs) <laughs> Rachel, our pious foremother, why in the world would she take idols with her the classic the classic rabbinic apologist answer is what
1: she wanted to take any chances.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is not the classic rabbinic Apologist answer She want, There's the Apologist answer of the rabbis The classic rabbi answer Meaning the rabbis of the midrash They answer She is a good pure matriarch Of monotheism And she wants to save Her ignorant idolatrous Father from his naive ways and so she steals the Christmas tree
1: <laughs>
0: if I steal the Madonna he can't worship in front of it right if, if I steal his idols he there must be something about these that are powerful and special and so if I take them I will save my father from his errant ways this is an unlikely reading of the text for many reasons one is what mickey just pointed out that's gonna stop him from worshiping his gods because the trophim go missing i don't think so what it will do is tick him off that it will do so she's now risking a lot to take those trophim all right if we rule out that it's unlikely because she wants to save her father from idolatry Why else might she take them?
1: Because she wants them to come after her.
0: Because she wants to be found. Why?
5: (laughs) Proportion.
2: She she finds them valuable
0: herself. No, no, no. No, I think she wants him to come look for him because she really doesn't want to leave her dad. Okay. So she's ambivalent about leaving. She wants daddy... As in all our fantasy, she wants daddy to come riding in and rescue her and save her and make her safe and loved and the princess that she was born to be. Not, that, I mean, I, I am imagining what someone might think who has that kind of fantasy. Um, so, right, so she wants to be
3: she wants the family
0: rescued. Okay, what? Why else might she have taken that?
3: Maybe she's afraid Jacob wouldn't be that nice to her, or her si- or at least to her.
0: So, what will the Traufim do? Protect her, possibly. Rachel knows the power of the Trafim. She's covering her bases. Sarah Moskowitz. She is. Okay. This. Yeah. This. This invisible God that your family talks to and hears. Lovely. Okay. That's lovely. But I, I'm not so sure. Right. I'm not so sure. And she has her own traditions. Her family has their own traditions. She takes what are the most powerful protective gods of her ancestral home. Why does she think she's entitled to them? She didn't get her other portion. She what? She didn't get her other portion. He ripped them off. He ripped them off. He, he has forfeited his right to the household gods. That is a pretty big jump. The household gods were very Powerful and very important to the household. She even the Torah uses the language "stole," so it doesn't seem that she even feels
3: that she owned it. That she, that she
0: owned them, she but she them. stole them. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. anyway. All right. So. Because
1: I'm getting confused. If the bride price is what. Jacob, thank you, has to pay to, to the father-in-law for his wives. Why did the... I mean, I thought the money was almost held in trust by by their their father in case something happened to their husband. But now, why do they feel like they need to take it with them? Or or is it something they'd actually get back after a number of years? What
0: so money- it seems that they think Lavon is intending not to ever give it to them.
1: But But, I mean... I thought it was like they're in trust, almost like a like a uh, life insurance.
0: Right, but if he bought a Cadillac with it, and that Cadillac's going to depreciate, they they see something that indicates to them that he has no interest in keeping it in trust.
5: He's giving livestock to his other sons now.
0: He's giving right. He's giving things right. He's behaving. We don't know, but he's behaving in a way that's that we don't know what it is. But they seem to think he's squant not squandering. He, he's using up their, their bride price. But at
3: that time, did Levon have a son, or it was only later? He has
0: sons. Now. They also see what <laughs> Levon did to Jacob. They understand <laughs> uh, that well, Levon okay. is a swindler! Yes. And that there's, and they feel like he will swindle them as well. <laughs> like, so they seem that they have to have evidence. And I don't Levan know what it is. They their
3: mother so well.
1: And see, that's so why we, we think it's unlikely that she takes the idols because she wants her father to come look for her. She really is.
0: All right, so as we study these fertility texts, some of us are very aware of where we are in our (laughs) life cycle. All right, so.
1: (laughs) Before we Sarah was saying that
5: she's covering her basics, also, she's going to a new land where this new god is, and so this might be her last chance to get such an idol. So it's a real
0: security... They don't have Christmas trees in Israel. Right. Right. I better take mine with me. Just in, yeah, just in case. Just in case. Just in case. Just in case, right? So I'm going to this new place. I don't know what's going to be there. I don't. How am, I going to, how am I going to do my rituals where I need my trafim. Just, just in case. Maybe not
2: for the rituals, but also for the feeling of family that she's... Family.
0: Connection to our ancestral stuff that is not so easy to leave behind. You can leave Europe, but you take the family candlesticks with you. These stories that we have all heard from our grandparents, and I don't care if you're Jewish or not, wherever you come from, we hear these stories, don't we, of the things they left the old country with. And they risked often everything to bring them out. They risked everything. They left lots of stuff behind that would have been more valuable to bring those Silver candlesticks out. They sewed things into their clothes that were of ritual significance to them, um, in order to bring them with them. So, whatever, somebody's ring, some wedding ring. Somebody, we, we hear these stories and we know the power of that for ourselves about what it means to leave certain things behind. That you might move, but there are some things. It's just a lot harder to release and let go of, and that we need to carry with us.
1: Does the
0: word traif relate to trucking? Good guess. No, but good guess. So, so traif is from the Hebrew passive form of torn. Metu raf. Litaref, to tear. Metu raf is torn.
4: That's because you can't eat something.
0: You can't torn, eat something that has been torn. From an animal. You have to shecht it. It has to be slaughtered. It can't have been. <laughs> um, and so, um, so, so, treif is from le taref to, to tear. The, but there is some thought that that um, trafim, that raish and that pay, if you put an olive at the end, what do you get? Raish pay olive. <laughs> <laughs> Raise, Pei Aleph that's what you get says Laura Diamond yes and raise, Pei Aleph that Shoresh that root has something to do always with healing Raphael refuah, Refua Shlema healing possibly these 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 idols these are the gods that are related to the family's health and well-being Who often would have been most in charge of the worship and rituals around the family's health and healing? The women women. of the family. Mm -hmm. Rachel, possibly, is taking the trophim because she does feel that they are hers. She knows she's stealing them because they're coming out of LaVon's house. But she feels like she is the matriarch of the family and so she steals them knowing they properly belong to her, even though Lavan is going to understand it as theft. But that she is the matriarch. She's the one who will be performing those rituals and, and has responsibility for that. So she takes the Trophim with her. In the ancient Near East, the Trophim, the household gods, we have, t- I'm going to give you an article that you're going to, if you want to, read. It is the article that people point to, written in 1962, I believe it, 1961. Another look at Rachel's Theft of the trufim, written by Moshe Greenberg. This is the article that people discuss when they discuss the scholarly um, implications of this act that Rachel does, because nobody, nobody understands what the heck is going on. In the ancient Near East, we have documents from Newsy, from a neighboring Canaanite um, town around this period. We have have found archaeological evidence from Nuzi that talks about an adoption. If you did not have a son, if you did not have an heir, you could adopt a son who would become your heir. We have adoption documents from Nuzi that say this guy is adopting Wulu as his heir. Wulu will inherit, you know, the main portion of his estate and will be familias. He will be the patriarch. And so will inherit the household gods. Unless this guy has a natural son. If he should have a natural son, Wulu will inherit equally with The natural son, but the natural son will inherit the household gods gods, and will be paterfamilias. There are some who want to suggest that Rachel has stolen the trafim in order to make Yaakov paterfamilias that if she steals these and he has them, he becomes the patriarch. And she wanted to secure that from him over and against Lavan's sons. Meaning, some people want to read into this, that Lavan had adopted Yaakov as his heir, right? But then had natural sons and switched his allegiance, as we know happened in the ancient Near East because of these documents, and switched it all over here and they were gonna now or whoever one of these guys was now gonna get the idols and become the patriarch and that is why they are ready to leave they feel like Yaakov was ripped off they've been displaced their wealth is gonna go to this guy who's gonna now be the patriarch and they say no way Jose and so she steals the gods to say I don't think so my husband was the rightful heir and he remains the rightful heir and she steals the god so that he is the patriarch now what is the problem with that argument that moshe greenberg is going to point out what is the problem with? everybody accepted that that is probably the case until 1961 when moshe greenberg said really that if you think about it doesn't make a lot of sense why she's in the wrong she's in the wrong yeah. so why is that a problem but
5: it's not just the deities I would think that the, the just possession of them doesn't make you the patriarch
0: correct yes. that, that he died he, if you had a will and he, and he died and that was in the will that's one thing Lavon's alive mm-hmm. to contest Yaakov becoming the patriarch simply having the Trafim does not make Yaakov the patriarch Lavan has to make Yaakov the patriarch And he's alive He's the patriarch Right So And if he dies And he's already appointed Someone else In his will Then Why does Rachel see, Think that And we don't See her as a dummy Moshe Greenberg Does not understand Rachel as a dummy Right She knows that So he says So why would she take them Thinking that's gonna Do the trick It doesn't It really doesn't Support it doesn't support it, so.
1: If they, like, were, if they were going far, and communication being what it was, not much in those days, uh, Lavon could have died, and they wouldn't know, and he would, and he would be. be
0: so the, the so the question is how would he inherit when they, this is the other question how would they inherit how would he inherit when they are far away there's no communication and they've left Laban's estate yeah. it doesn't seem they plan to come back right. so it doesn't seem that this is about Yaakov inheriting Laban's estate it seems Rachel has another motive for stealing. The trafim. Perhaps she believes in the efficacy of the Trophim in protecting Lavan. In that case, what is she doing?
1: Oh, Taking doing her his protection.
0: She is bolstering. She takes her shotgun, right? She takes what she has to protect her family and to weaken Lavan. If he doesn't have his Trophim, even psychologically, what is that going to do to him? Kill him. It's going to mess him up. It's going to throw him off his game, right? And she takes the only power that she has, which is to to weaken her, Levan, and possibly in her mind and her heart to strengthen and protect her family. Go, Rachel.
4: Going back to what you said before. Yes, sir. I'm really intrigued by, even though they were related, the families were related, that this is really talking about the dynamic of an interfaith marriage and what a woman who comes into an interfaith marriage does, how she deals with her traditions versus the traditions. And it just strikes me as so contemporary when you you talk about that.
0: Rabbi Rubin brought in um, to our staff meeting yesterday um, a, from the, the, what's the catalog you get on the plane? In Sky flight, mall. the Sky Ma- Sky Mall. From the Sky Mall, he ordered it from the Sky Mall catalog because he saw so him. He ordered from the Sky Mall catalog, this this Christmas tree topper that's a star of David.
1: <laughs>
0: and he said, "This is a sign of what we're living into these days. That we are, in fact, living into in new kinds of expression of interfaith family life." Here it is. It wasn't
3: a mistake. It was
0: it was intentionally a star, and it said something on the packaging. You know, I you know I thought it should have said Murphy Krisnica, but whatever. So, um, you know, like was very clear that it was made for your interfaith family, and it's like, and he wasn't bringing it as a joke. You know him; he's so true to understanding that this is where we are, that we are living into these families who are coming together, bringing their faith traditions together. For them, it might not have been a problem, right? Syncretistic worship was common in the ancient world. You know, side by side, worship of different deities. And, by the way, these kinds of idols were found in the land of Israel throughout every single period of Israelite habitation. By the way, we never gave up the idols. Never. And the proof is that the prophets were yelling and screaming about it? We wouldn't have had prophets if we'd given up idol worship. The Israelites never gave up their Trophim. Never. So it's a fantasy.
3: screaming, get
0: rid of them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The prophets are saying, put outside your Asherah. Quit worshiping Asherah. You're bringing on the wrath of Yahweh with your idols and your pagan junk. Why are they yelling and screaming that if the people aren't, if they don't have a Christmas tree?
4: Well, don't rabbis. Do that today but when talking about material things as opposed to traffic the
0: because the people are engaged in materialism right if we weren't engaged in materialism I wouldn't be yelling about it right but we are what? and so the, so they never gave them up Rachel is doing what every other generation of Israelites did by the way if you look at one Samuel Michal when when what's his face Saul is after David he's coming to kill David. Da- and she can't find she wants to trick Saul into thinking he's home and asleep. What does she do? She puts the trafim under the bed covers to make it look like David is there. What does that mean?
2: Got got Michal
0: had traphim in the palace. Okay, so they never gave them up.
4: These women really
0: hitch their best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, married to this real We're no dummies. <laughs> <laughs> We're
1: no dummies. <laughs> <laughs> We're no
0: dummies. <laughs> okay, go for it, Ruth
1: that Raquel is one of the matriarchs and that I think up until now there has been no indication that she really acts in that unique, strong, powerful way that the matriarchs did. I mean, I can't think of anything she did up until now, outside of being Jacob's wife.
0: You mean that's outrageous? and
1: That um, would qualify her as a matriarch in her own right. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of solidifies the fact that she is in her own right as strong as Rebecca and Sarah and Leah, sort of to a lesser degree um, yeah. and kind of qualifies her as a matriarch.
0: Okay. So pro- possibly a narrative device that has Rachel jumping out there and doing something brave and... and. But why didn't, Lynn? But why, why was the
5: choice
0: Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> she Do you want to answer that, Laura? I changed my name. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so, because um, Rachel is Rachel. I mean, she she's the bold, brazen matriarch right she's she's i i personally think is exhausted i mean she's got a lot of kids and she's, yeah but um she i mean she's she's the one who acts it's rachel it's the beloved of yaakov for lots of reasons i think she's already the way she's described the way he's so in love with her the way i mean she she has a certain confidence and a certain position in the family right that and
5: then she's the one who turns her back on his god and steals with the theme i mean it's it's a double-edged sword. Why you know, why Rachel? In a lot of ways, there's a lot of thought. There could be a lot of discussion and a lot of analysis of why the choice was... You know, they're two sisters. It's their father. It's equal right, I would think, to them. And the choice in the text is Rachel. And if she's the loving and the beloved and the devoted and the, you know, uh, Jacob, well, she's the one who sort of shuns his belief system but and you- makes
0: it unless syncretistic worship is normal. For her, so worshiping more than one god is normal. She's not betraying Yaakov right. to worship in her way.
5: It's equal between
0: the two sisters, though. So still, why Rachel? Because Leah is not the one. It's Rachel who's the one.
1: She's
0: got a lot of kids. <laughs> so Rachel's the one. I mean, clearly the text says this is no, no, this is the character that Rachel is. Right. And a, the thought
5: right mine is thought was that, you know, that there's a clear choice. Just, okay, so we're going to make Rachel this powerful
0: person and Leia not as powerful.
5: I mean, it was... it was, she self-decided.
1: Yeah.
0: So, the, I mean... Clear choice in the so text. So, this goes back to those questions of how do traditions arise, right? So, there is Rachel material and Leia material. And, clearly, clearly, there are descendants who look back on these matriarchs as their founder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the real answer to your question is because the Rachel tribes were more prominent. Okay. The Rachel tribes were more prominent, more powerful, and so they are the ones whose whose ancestress figures most prominently in the story. Is the beloved, is the beautiful, maybe, is the... You said
3: something before about adoption. Why would Levon adopt... Jacob, then it would make Jacob being married to his sisters, they be, be brothers. It sisters. would just be a
0: legal thing because he had no sons. He would adopt his son in law as his heir. Right. As his that's heir, that's all.
3: said you can't Not have sex right. with your brother's sister. As, as his, his heir.
0: It, it, he adopts him as the person who will inherit his estate. Okay. And,
3: then, and one of the gods that she most likely stole was the fertility god.
0: Very likely. Rachel has a serious interest in making sure the gods of healing and health and well-being come with her because she is still trying to have a baby. She is defined by her infertility. For me, one of the saddest stories in the Torah is the story of Rachel. Why? Not just because she dies in childbirth, but because she is adored by Yaakov. That's all Leah wants. Is Yaakov's attention. That's all she longs for, is to be loved. Rachel is adored by Yaakov. The loved, the favored, the beautiful. And all she can do is focus on what she doesn't have. So much so that she gets into it with Yaakov. And they have an argument that we see in Torah. We're not reading it this year. Mm -hmm. They have an argument and he's had it. He's like... God did this, not me. So it's causing problems in her marriage, which she has. She has her husband. She has a beautiful son. right? She lives in this huge, successful family. And all she can focus on is her infertility and that next baby. And then she achieves that pregnancy. And she dies. And it's like the story of, for me, of how we so focus on what we don't have to the detriment and destruction and complete and utter loss of everything we do.
3: And that's still so true today.
0: And, you know, my, my namesake is Rachel. I'm, I'm Rachel. And when, you know, when I was struggling with infertility and then was pregnant, I you know, had a certain relationship to these texts. And then when I longed for, you know, a second baby and it wasn't going to happen for me, every time baby lust came or comes over me, I think, so, Rachel, would you like to be like Rachel?
3: Saves your life.
0: (laughs) Or do you want to thank, you know, the universe every single day that you and your baby lived through a dangerous pregnancy and a dangerous delivery, and you have her, and she's healthy, and you have this amazing community, this amazing family. You you have a choice every day. You want to be Rachel? Okay. So... It's a, for me, the saddest story in the Torah and such a teaching about, about to be thankful and to be grateful, not just grateful, to live into what we have. She doesn't live into that relationship in a way that could be fruitful, intentional pun, you know, and... Instead, focuses on yeah, on what ultimately causes redemption. It seems
3: like that the firstborn male, you know, is the big shot. Evidently, with the women, it's not dictated like that. That's right. Rachel became the big shot.
0: All right. Well, she. Well, not the big it, shot. But it, it's another story because Leah was supposed to be, and Lavon uses that to, to to marry her to him first. But all right, we're going to go on. Um, uh huh. But
1: isn't it so that? Among the Orthodox, and probably then, that the more children you had, the greater your status. Uh, 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 so what? What? It's like only one child is is almost a mockery of when all of these other women have eight. No, absolutely. Nine
0: kids, absolutely, absolutely. So so even if we, ch- it's. My point remains even if what she's focused on is status She's so focused on status that she you know she loses sight of everything else and then she achieves what's going to bring her that status and you know she gets the CEO job and the corner office and drops dead of a heart attack. She got the position she's been so focused on her status she got it and she drops dead of a heart attack the first week of work I mean it's that's for me the same. You know, the same kind of, of teaching Alright, so so let's let's. I mean, I hear what you're saying That, that we, we have a little more Rachmanis for her Given that she probably suffered a lot You know, about about status I totally understand Let's go I want to get to this other part That is interesting So, um, yeah um, 22 Someone read it, 22
2: Not until the third day Was Levon told That Jacob had fled He then took his kin with him And pursued Jacob A seven-day trek and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. God then came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night, saying to him, "Beware lest you speak to Jacob, beginning well but ending ill." Go on. When Laban caught up to Jacob, Jacob had pitched his tent by the mountain. Laban then drove in his drove in his tent pegs among his kinsmen near Mount Gilead. Laban said to Jacob. What have you done, deceiving me and driving my daughters off like prisoners of war? Why did you flee by stealth and deceive me by not informing me? I would have sent you off with festive songs, with hand drum and lyre. Nor did you give me a chance to kiss my sons and daughters. How foolishly you acted. It is well within my power to do you an injury. But the God of your fathers said to me last night... Beware lest you speak to Jacob, beginning well but ending ill. Now then, you have gone away because you yearned so desperately for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob responded by saying to Laban, Because I was afraid, because I said to myself, <laughs> Suppose you steal your daughters from me, but the one with whom you find your gods shall not live. See for yourself in front of our kin what I have with me and
0: take it back. Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen. Her. All right, we're going to stop here for a second. Um, so, well, der, 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 der. third day that they're on the road, Lavon is informed that they've left, that they're all gone. So he takes his posse and he goes after them, right? It takes him a week to catch up to Yaakov. He, picture, he finds where they are. It's a huge camp that Yaakov has, right? You know, this is not like they're sleeping in an RV and can just take off. It's a huge encampment. He sees where they are, they camp, and then um, he has a vision. Lavan has a vision from Yudhei Vavhei in a dream that says, Beware of attempting anything with Yaakov, good or bad. Don't mess with Yaakov. Lavan uh, then goes into Yaakov after this vision and says, what up? Why did you leave in secret? You carried my daughters off like they were prisoners. Why would you do this? You know. I would have given you everything. I would have thrown a party. I would have given you a new car. like." like why would you do this? I couldn't kiss them. I couldn't hug them. Silly, silly boy. Um. Because of that, I just want you to know I could choose to do something. I could choose to hurt you. I really could. But I had a vision last night saying that I shouldn't do anything to you, good or bad. All right. Let's just call it a truce. You felt like you really needed to leave. You really missed your ancestral house alright I get it but here comes the real point now Lavan is going to hit the real point now he knows he's got him all of this talk all of this whatever Lavan knows now he's got Yaakov and he intends to kill him he says why did you steal my gods right there's no way out of that one As soon as he finds the Trophim, Yaakov's life is forfeit. Forfeit. Lavan has won. And will take everything back with him, including his daughters. Right? And their wealth. Yaakov answered Lavan saying... I was afraid, right, of exactly, you know, of this, that you're, that you're going to threaten me, that you're going to take your daughters back, that you're going to pull something on me. I'm not an idiot, right? But let me tell you something. I didn't steal your trophim. Anybody in this camp who's got your trophim, they die. I'll kill him myself. Now, of course, what Yaakov doesn't know is that his beloved Rachel has stolen the trophim. So what does this mean? He said wherever they are found, that person is dead. It
1: says
0: that he never, he wouldn't have done that. Hold that thought, Ruth. That's exactly right. Hold that thought. (laughs) He what? He wouldn't have stolen them and he wouldn't have thought that right. Exactly. So he says they're dead. Whoever has them, they are dead. So then what does Levon do? He goes tearing through the camp. He now has the right to search and seize, right? Search and seizure. So I, I imagine like stormtroopers, you know what I mean? Lavon and his posse tearing through Jacob's camp. They go through Jacob's tent and Leah's tent and the tents of the two maid servants, but they did not find them. Imagine how frustrated Lavon is at this point. He is unhappy, right? Leaving Leah's tent, he enters Rachel's tent. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and I know we haven't read it, but I'll just go on. Rachel, meanwhile, had taken the idols and had placed them in the camel cushion and sat on them. Right? And Levan rummaged through the tent without finding them. He is tearing apart her tent. She is sitting on the evidence that will mean her death if they're found. And he says, he comes in and he comes to her and it is customary... When the patriarch enters, you must rise before the patriarch. And you must make obeisance before the patriarch, before someone of higher status. We've talked about this when you you go to the floor, you put your forehead to to the ground, right? What does she say? Let my Lord not take it amiss that I cannot rise before you, for the period of women is upon me. Thus he searched, but could not find the household idols."
3: Does that mean menstruation
0: or she's... It yeah. yeah. means yeah. menstruation. <laughs> that a woman would
1: use that. <laughs> <to> <laughs> man. It's so
2: odd.
1: Yeah.
0: It's shocking. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Imagine! She's using her period. I right? <laughs> don't know what to
1: do. Oh, right? So... The earlier point related to fertility, of course.
0: Yeah. It is all connected right so she is bleeding she's saying she's bleeding whether she is or not we don't know but she uses it. Is she lying god forbid <laughs> 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 so <laughs> but <laughs> we'll never know so what she uses is the taboo of menstrual blood right in the ancient world and in many parts of the world today, in primitive societies, and I don't mean primitive in a pejorative way, I use it in the anthropological term, closer to, to older practices. Um, in those societies, menstrual blood is taboo. A woman bleeds for seven days and does not die. From the earliest time, that has been scary to men. Very scary. And for women, the power of reproduction is a powerful, powerful thing, right? It was a very big part of uh, fertility rights and goddess worship and women's connection, right, to all of those things. Therefore, when patriarchy becomes the norm and when a male god and exclusive worship of the male god, like, happens, you, you have to do something about this, you know, whole Menstrual fertility, you got to deal with that, you know, and it's taboo. It was very powerful. Women's menstrual blood was, first menstrual blood was kept in the house as a, it was like, you know, you know, seriously powerful substance. So um, she uses LaVan's own, you know, taboo stuff about women's menstrual blood, right, against him as women have always had to do, right? You, you use what you have. And if they have this crazy idea that you're dangerous and whatever when you're menstruating, use it. All right, you know. Um, we can't ignore that the fertility gods she is sitting on and possibly bleeding on. We, we just cannot miss the, right, the relationship there between her menstrual blood, the death of a baby. Menstrual blood is the death of a possibility. The death of a possible baby. We cannot miss that, I don't think. Do I think what Ruth, I bet, was getting at with her aha moment. When Jacob declares whoever has the trophim is dead, there are those who say this is why she dies in childbirth. That very Sitting on the gods while he makes that curse and she's bleeding. That's exactly how she dies. Presumably, she bled to death.
1: Hmm.
0: Ben, how did women die in childbirth in the ancient world? They bled to death because the baby won't come out, so she bleeds out. But I thought her second son did. He did, but she died. She bled to death. but so she died at that moment. She died at, while giving birth to him.
1: Right, but not on the camel. End. No,
0: but there are those who say it is that moment that the curse, that, that her, that the curse is, don't we is, is triggered, I mean, is you know, put out there. So why is it then
1: that she dies or is engineered after she gives birth a second time?
0: She who was chasing fertility so hard kills, kills it. I mean, she, I mean, it kills her.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, because she
0: had curse. Just what she wa- Just at the moment of achieving what she wanted, so she it's, the curse twice. falls. Now, some people say, "Wait a minute! There's too long a distance between him uttering those words and her dying. No relationship, yeah, I mean. no connection." Yeah, but I do think there's foreshadowing. There I definitely think. The, the narrative holds a sense of menstrual blood and fertility God you know fertility, fertility gods and death. I just think that foreshadowed t- t- stuff. It, you can't ignore that that's there. So in any case, she successfully thwarts the search. She's s- smart and she's quick and she thwarts the search. Because the idols were not found, Yaakov is now the one filled with self righteous indignation, right? You know, how dare you accuse me? I told you I wait right. And what is my crime that you should pursue me? And how you've torn up my camp. Are you happy with yourself? You satisfied? And then they cut a treaty to separate their land and to separate themselves and their families, and they never see each other again. Now, the, I just one more thing about this blood stuff. The one thing that Rachel cannot, she can separate from her family. She can leave her family. She can leave where she came from. She can leave her clan. She can leave all of it. But what she can't leave is that her and Leah's children are of the bloodline of Lavan. Blood, she can't leave. And so the other thing we see connected, you know, that kind of runs through this is Rachel's blood is still tied to Levon. And the thing that she cannot separate, that she's going to remain and her children will remain tied to that old world, right? So she has Trophim with her. She, there is a part of that world that she carries with her. And that's going to go forward in a, in a new form, but it's but is definitely going to go forward. So pe- some people want to tie kind of her, the whole bleeding incident, to what Rachel can't leave behind in, in, her, in her bloodline.
4: We just glossed over verse 28. We did? Which is very puzzling. Okay. It says, you did not even let me kiss my sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. What sons? What sons?
0: So
1: does it, say, does it say son? Does it mean grandson?
0: It, it probably means grandsons. Yeah. Because
4: yeah. Yaakov was just yeah.
2: taking his daughters.
0: Yeah. So, most likely his, his grandsons. Oh, okay. So that's... Yeah.
2: Or even Yaakov.
0: I was getting back to
4: you saying that he might have had two sons.
0: Yeah. His his sons would still be with him. I mean, unless they chose to go with Jake. Why does say this? Yeah, that's true. Which would be... Mm-hmm. That would be interesting.
1: Because now there's always stones in Israel. Even
0: today, we only do those so, so, actually, your point is a good one. Um, you put up a stone to make a to make a deal. So you erect a monument to a moment of making a deal. Jacob does it at Bethel when he makes a deal with God. You erect a monument of stone. So it is that old among our people, this idea, that to express something about a relationship... There are stones.
3: Is that where they...
0: And so we, to this day, carry to the grave. How do we mark that we still have a relationship with the dead person? Yeah, We, we continue to put stones for to, the seven at that day monument. monument hmm?
1: stones. What? In the Seven Day War, there's a big monument in Israel for all the
0: stones. Yeah, because that, that is our... It's this old. It is this old that we have a relationship to a stone matzeva being a, a, a testament to a relationship, to a moment, to a... Something and we, we still have that relationship, right? Cool. We still express our love and connection by bringing stones because mm-hmm. right? they don't look, they don't go away, right? In the ancient world, you actually could, you know, that's how you showed that you loved the person who's buried here because you kept building up the mound of stones over them because so that animals didn't dig them up.
1: That too.
0: So, those graves that had stones in place had been tended to by people who loved. That person and remembered that person. Yes. Uh,
5: verse forty-three does reference that. Just go back and explain the sons and daughters. The uh, law then responded by saying to Jacob, "The daughters are my daughters, and the sons are my sons, and the flock sons are my." Uh, this translation
4: says, "The children are my children, not the sons."
5: Yeah, and it says, uh, it, "But as for my daughters, what can I do now about them or the sons that they have born?" So he's referencing the
0: sons that the daughters have born, not his sons. the Hebrew remains murky. Habanot benotai, the daughters are my daughters. V'habanim Banai. and the sons are my sons. Right. And so it's
1: the next.
0: Mm-hmm. Sentence, yeah, yeah. Sentence. yeah, yeah, I mean, most likely about
5: my daughters and the sons they
0: have born. Yeah, it most likely means his grandsons. Right. So, so they they leave and they begin the new right part of their. Um, of their story. This pact between Levon and Yaakov is a peaceful ending to that whole deal. And now um, now the entire clan is gonna move to Kna'an. So now the the story begins to unfold where Yaakov and his descendants will be um, having their life in Kna'an until what? Hmm? Until There's a famine, and they will go to Egypt looking for food. And we know that story.